Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sons of Sequoia podcast. SOS, is this uh, 13, David? Our 13th episode, and as by virtue of it being our 13th episode, today we're going to discuss superstitions. Uh, superstitions. Now, before we get into that, we could talk about the big game yesterday. We watched <laughs> the big game. And I don't really, I mean, football, I could take or leave. But I like the Super Bowl because after Thanksgiving, I think it's America's second greatest food holiday. Uh, just an excuse to, to overeat. And speaking of that, I don't understand. There's this guy, I think Malcolm Gladwell, he said, if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you become an expert at it. Well, I've definitely eaten for 10,000 hours of my life. And yesterday, I immediately overate and felt sick. So <laughs> I don't think that I'm quite an expert at it yet. Like, why is that? <laughs> well, some things. Uh, I think there's a fine line between being an expert and having an addiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you're, you're addicted to food. I'm addicted to food. I'm addicted to water, like my friend says. Yeah, addicted to water. Addicted um, to food. All right. It looks like we're alive. Everything is good. Um, good. So, yeah, talking about superstitions, I got to say, attribution where attribution is due. I didn't include it in the PowerPoint, but uh, I got the answers to these questions about classic superstitions from a, I think it was a LiveScience.com article. So I Googled it, an article came up, and then this had the ones that I wanted. But I put it into a PowerPoint, and I have to give them attribution because it was one of those websites. I mean, thank you for the content and sort of giving us a little framework to build today's episode around. But you go to the website, boom, big pop-up. Uh, subscribe to Live Science. You say, no thanks. You scroll down, boom. Uh, do you want to turn notifications on? No thanks. You turn, you scroll down a little more. It's like, boom. Do you want uh, Live Science to know where you live? Like, no thanks. You scroll down a little more. It's like, do you want to give Live Science your social security number? It's like, geez. This is, it's an obnoxious website. But they did give us the uh, material for this, this podcast. So thank you to them. Um, wouldn't recommend going on their website, but uh, we got what we needed out of them. So uh, should we get into it? And I would have played Stevie Wonder's Superstition at the top, but I think that YouTube would have, uh, what's the word, demonetized. I mean, these videos aren't monetized yet. We don't have enough subscribers. But uh, in the future, if we wanted to monetize this video and we had copywritten music playing, it would have been a no-go. Well, superstition is so common. I start thinking about it. And it says we, every culture, everybody, uh, you think superstition. I'm not superstitious. I don't know. I think I think our culture, you may not be, but our culture is just riddled with it everywhere. Like we say, oh, good luck. Uh, keep your fingers crossed. You know, uh, well, I hope this works or. Uh, 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 Oh, uh, I'll I'll leave the light on for you, or you know, I'll throw good luck your way, or I mean, just in the common common language of people, uh, it's just part of our culture. 
uh, there's little sayings right here. Keep your fingers crossed, you know. Uh, keep both fingers crossed. Keep your toes crossed. And, uh, okay, well, uh, why? Uh, I don't know. I think it's social. I think some of it could be psychological, but I think some of it's social. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're just saying something positive to the other person. And you're saying, okay, well, I, I, I want the best for you, so I can do this uh, to communicate to you but I hope things work out for you. Mm-hmm. And so you say, oh, good luck. I keep my fingers crossed, you know, uh, that kind of thing. I'll leave the light on for you, that kind of thing. So, yeah, so I think it's more common than we think. To get into, like, uh, a little bit of blasphemy. Like, if, some, if, a, <laughs> if a believer says to an atheist, I'll pray for you, do you think the atheist has a right to say, it's okay, I don't believe in superstition. You don't need to pray for me. Well, I can tell you from experience... <laughs> The other way around, if you say, good luck, they'll say, I don't believe in luck. I believe in fortune. God will bless me. Mm-hmm. That's not luck. So, again, uh, it's beliefs and also it's it's part of culture. I, I think there's a lot of social element uh, to superstition. Now, the other question is, if that's true, I'm not saying it is. If that's true, uh, what are positive things from superstition? What are some positive things? Well, you are telling other one, I, I hope things work out for you. You know, good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, you could say, I don't care about you. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't care if it works out for you or not. But saying good luck, there is some positive communication there socially. So there are some positive things. The other thing psychologically, you say, oh, you know, well, I threw salt out of my shoulder or I did this or uh, I, I, I did what I'm supposed to do and it makes you feel better about moving forward and just put it put it in the past because I've already done something superstitiously to move forward. So there might be some kind of a, a support and help uh, from from a psychological standpoint too. There's a placebo effect. Yes. that That's a better way to say it. That's a better way to say it. Um. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I think that that comes into play when people are obsessed with taking vitamins. Uh, it's like, oh, I don't have to worry about cancer. I take 15 vitamins a day. And it's like, that's not how it works. But if you believe that, it might actually provide some benefit because there's a placebo effect. Because you're not worried about it, your cortisol levels may be lower and you may be less likely to have cancer over the long term because you think that you're uh, mitigating your risk when really what you're doing the the biggest mitigation to your risk is not the vitamins that you take it's the fact that you believe those vitamins will mitigate your risk yeah suppose uh you know you have gummy vitamin vitamins for kids i suppose you can have superstitious vitamins for adults yeah they're like giant <laughs> chalky horse pills, and they're like, that was so awful to take. There's no way that it doesn't help. I, I torture myself every day taking these giant horse pill vitamins. Like they, They're bound to help. If they didn't help, why would they make them so difficult to take? I think, though, that people, they, they don't want to be inconvenienced. So they'll do something as long as it's convenient. Because I, I don't know, I kind of see this uh, balance of crossing yourself if you're Catholic. Seems a little superstitious to me. Now, where do you draw the line between what's superstitious and what's, you know, a religious practice? A rite. Is that what they call it? A rite? That would be a rite, wouldn't it? R-I-T-E? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, you can call it that. Uh, yeah, well, I, let's, do you want to get into the PowerPoint? The genuflect. Yeah, well, you know, you brought up a good point. I don't know if we should talk go down this path or not, but uh, religious uh, rites or sacraments uh, are sacraments superstitious, you know? This is the blood of Christ, you know? Uh, then you you pray, you know? You uh, are uh, sacraments in a religion, which are sacred uh, rites. Um, uh, where's the line between that and superstitious? Superstition. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I don't want to go down a path because <laughs> I don't know, I don't know that much about it. So all right, so this I'm going to I'm going to give you some common superstitions, and then you're going to guess as to their origin, and origin. then and then we'll take a look at the real origin. <laughs> Assuming I will be wrong. Yes. Which. A very good assumption. Well, you may be <laughs> right, but there'll be more details than your guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think the first one is right. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'll be guessing. So opening an umbrella indoors. That's our first superstition. Opening an umbrella indoors. So the origin of that, huh? Yeah. I bet someone did that in the past and in a big room and all of a sudden the room collapsed and killed a bunch of people and they blame that person uh, for opening the umbrella wrong <laughs> <laughs> okay what is this but you're, you're on the right track according to livescience.com don't go to the website it's horrible but we did steal their content so let's take a look um so some people, they, they like to trace everything back to the Egyptians. Uh, so the pharaohs, they had people, you know, fanning them all day long, but they, they don't think that it was the Egyptians. They think it was Victorian England. Uh, and this makes a lot of sense. Uh, Metal-spoked waterproof umbrellas became common in Victorian England. Uh, but back then they had cliff, stiff, clumsy mechanisms for opening. So if someone opened one in a small room, it could injure someone or shatter china or break a lamp. And uh, so it was impractical to open an umbrella indoors. So they sort of added this element of superstition to it where not only was it impractical, but it was also bad luck. Make sense? Do you buy that? Uh, I buy that as a reasonable explanation, but that explanation could could apply to a lot of different places and a lot of different things, because that's, you know, that that's just something within culture. I mean, why would that be true in in one culture, not another culture? You know, that'd be true in in England. No, but the advent of spring-loaded metal umbrellas occurred during Victorian England. That's what okay. they're saying. That's what you're saying, yeah. So the pharaohs had people, uh, you know, put shades over them, and they wanted, they, like, early historians wanted to trace it back to that. But really, the real, the common thought these days is that 
these new umbrellas. You know, you get something new and it, it barely works. I, I heard a radio story about, or maybe it was a TED Talk, I don't know, about the advent of electricity and how the internet is a lot like the advent of electricity. So you sort of get power into people's homes and you have the light bulb. That was the first killer app. The light bulb might be like Google. And then you say, what else can you do with electricity? Uh, and the guy in the talk talked about the first washing machine. And it was this monstrous open thing. Um, of course, water and electricity don't mix. It killed hundreds and hundreds of people <laughs> <laughs> because it was so dangerous to operate. Uh, and he said, that's like, if you take a look at when electricity was invented to when this washing machine started going on a homicidal rampage, it's about the same amount of time between when the internet was invented and when Facebook went on a homicidal rampage. Facebook is like the giant washing machine that kills people. Now, a <laughs> hundred years from now, once they figure out how to use this technology, we'll look back and say, oh, I can't believe that they allowed a a social media app to be so harmful. Just like we can't believe that they allowed a washing machine to kill a bunch of people. But it's growing pains. Any new technology, there's going to be growing pains. So I think with this uh, umbrella thing, you know, you have these rigid springs and people, you know, people want to be extra. So like the more hardcore the umbrella is when it opens, you know, a spring-loaded umbrella, like the cooler it looks, the easier it is to demonstrate in a store. So you make it so that they're kind of dangerous. You know, you open it, it flies <laughs> open, you could hurt someone, especially if you opened it indoors or you could destroy property. I think that's, that's a good, I, I buy that justification for why this is a superstition. Yeah. Well, at least it's something that's believable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's something that's very believable. All right. Number two, are you ready? Okay, I'm ready for number two. Never walk under a ladder. Well, the logical thing there is that uh, when people would walk under ladders, uh, the paint would fall on them, something would fall on them, they get hurt, and so never never put yourself at risk. Mm -hmm. To me, that, that seems logical. I don't know where it came from. As far as origins are concerned, that may be the reason why. Well, I haven't read this one yet. I actually just copy and pasted the article into the PowerPoint. So I haven't read this one, but I agree with you. So now I'm, I'm guessing too. I think there's a practical thing. Of everywhere you could walk, why would you walk under a ladder? That seems like the worst place you could walk. Let's say you're going down a sidewalk and you see a ladder. What would possess you to walk underneath the ladder? I, I think you're right. That's, the, that's probably the worst place you could walk. So should we take a look at the answer? According yep. to this one article on the internet? Yeah. Uh, this is Egyptian. <laughs> ah, a ladder leaning against a wall forms a triangle, and Egyptians regarded a triangle as sacred, as exhibited by their pyramids. To them, triangles represented the trinity of the gods, and to pass through a triangle was to desecrate them. Huh. This belief wended its way up through the ages. Centuries later, followers of Jesus Christ usurped the superstition, interpreting it in light of Christ's death. Because the ladder had rested against the crucifix, it became a symbol of wickedness, betrayal, and death. 
walking under a ladder courted misfortune. In England in the 1600s, criminals were forced to walk under a ladder on their way to the gallows. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, that explanation had nothing to do with anything falling on your head. The practical, <laughs> yeah. I would have assumed, well, because the first one was practical, you assume they're all going to be practical. Yeah. Yeah, but that that's very interesting about the triangle. That's, I suppose all that's true. I'm, but but th that brings up another point. Uh, that's where the superstition came from, and that's the origin. But then why does it keep going? Uh, why do people really think it's bad luck? I mean, they, they have to have a reason to keep it going. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll walk under a ladder. It doesn't bother me. But maybe it's not... It's not uh, maybe some people... Uh, will buy into a superstition without knowing the origin, and some people will not. Some people say, I don't see why that works. And so if I don't understand it, I don't care. I'm going to walk. So I do it. Yeah. I walk under a ladder. So, so it brings up a question. Why did it continue, and why do people follow superstition? Maybe because, uh, maybe because they just want to. It makes them feel good. I don't know. I don't know. You see what my question is? Mm-hmm. Like they say, keep your fingers crossed. Why? <laughs> you know, it's uh, to me, if you, oh, keep your fingers crossed, let's hope, let's hope. Uh, that's just saying something positive. Uh, it's more of a social social gesture. Yeah, I, but I mean, I don't, I'm not sure. With these, I think they're like, I think we're right and the article on the internet is wrong. Or why do they perpetuate themselves for 5,000 years? No one thinks that the triangle is sacred, but it's still a superstition not to walk under a ladder. And the reason why, I think, is there's a ladder leaning against the building. All right? Here, I'll go to, I'll go to me. There's a ladder leaning against the building. Okay. You have two choices. You can walk around the ladder or you can walk underneath the ladder. Statistically... <laughs> you're more likely to not incur injury walking around the ladder. I think that's why it's perpetuated itself throughout the, uh, the centuries, because it's practical not to walk under a ladder. Now, I think it's different if you've set the ladder up for yourself, but if someone's on a ladder, you don't want to be underneath them. So, and I think that more often than not, if you see a ladder out in the wild, uh, <laughs> someone will be on it. Yeah. So I see it. There's a practical application. I think a lot of these, well, the next one I'm looking at, the title, it's not true. But, uh. <laughs> well, I think there's two things going on. One is the origin of where they came from. And two, why do we continue them? What's the yes. propagation? And, and how, why do we continue them? And the reason we continue them may be different than, than where they came from. Uh, that, which is another good point. Once you get things started, that's one thing. To keep things going, that's another thing. And sometimes the, the force to keep things going is different than the force that created it in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that's, that's logical. That's common. 
the way you get things started is not the same same reason, force, uh, or ability to keep things running. And that's true in business. To start up a business is different than than growing a business. Yeah, or to and run the, for the, president is different than being a president. Yeah, yeah, being a candidate is very different than being being the is uh, I mean, holding that's, office. That's true for a job. The person that interviews right. the best, that has the most impressive resume, they may not be the best person for the job. Uh, they may get in and they say, oh, wow, I went from junior vice president to senior vice president. Now that I'm here as senior vice president, that's on my resume. Let me look at a slightly larger company that'll make me executive vice president. And you went through all this, these months of a hiring process and you said, this is the guy, look at him, junior vice president, very well-spoken, great resume. Let's get this guy, and you maybe cast someone else aside who, yeah, this guy does not have the charisma, but he really seems to like our company, and he'd be with us for the rest of his career. But no, we want the charismatic guy. The charismatic guy gets in, immediately starts looking for a better job. He's gone in a year or two, and you're like, why the hell did we go through this pro process in the first place? Well... We're getting off track a little bit, but I got a story about that, specifically about that. Uh, not to give any names or anything, but years ago, uh, I was teaching uh, decision theory, uh, and I, I I taught this one technique, and I had my students go out and come back and bring uh, uh, case studies using this technique of making decisions. It was a decision model. And so they went out, and they brought came back, uh, from this one company, uh, one group said, here is how they made decisions on hiring people. Another group, here's how they made decisions on promoting people. And they compared the two and hiring people and promoting people had different criteria. And then they were talking about, yeah, I heard that that company is going to have a riff, which is reduction in force. If you're going to fire people, who do you let go? The ones who don't have a good uh, uh, hiring record or a good promoting record, a promotion record. Mm -hmm. So they hire you, hire you for one reason, but they're going to keep you for another reason. And that's really common. Yeah. So the superstition may have an origin, but that may not be why we keep doing it. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, stories and explanation for a really simple statement yeah but i think it's i think it's good to make i don't know and i think it's a good it's a good principle to keep in mind too the way you think get things started is different than how you keep things going mm -hmm. oh that and i'm trying to think how did we get here from don't walk under a ladder <laughs> but we did somehow because there's a pyramid or <laughs> the thing will fall on your head something in this guy's gonna drop his his screwdriver on your head yeah. you get this thing sticking out of your head that has nothing to do with a pyramid. Yeah. Like, so there's a guy and he's got a big old bucket of paint and he's painting this wall on this ladder. And you say, I'm going to walk right <laughs> under this ladder. And then you think, I, I better not. The Egyptians thought that the triangle was sacred. Therefore, even though this guy is standing there with a, a hammer and a nail, I'm not going to walk under it because he might drop the nail or the hammer on my head. I'm not going to walk under it because the Egyptians thought the triangle was sacred. That's... <laughs> This guy is up there with all this, with how like three hammers. A saw. Because there's, <laughs> because there's two hammers on the ground that he's already dropped. I'm not going to walk under that. Uh -huh. Yeah. And by the way, 
the main reason is because the Egyptians thought the triangle was sacred. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I guess that's a very good. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So it's practical, and then there's the origins are different than the practical reasons. Now, this one, I never looked into this, and I don't know how accurate my PowerPoint is. I, I should stop discounting the veracity of the PowerPoint <laughs> because I think it sort of takes away. I, sh I mean, I should never have given credit to that stupid website. I should have just pretended like I did all this research on my own and acted like I was smart. That's what people on the Internet do. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. You'll watch. Yes, uh, I, do. Yes, I have. You'll watch a video and the person will be speaking with authority and you're like, I bet this person doesn't know this. You know, uh, I just I have a hard time, especially because I copied this verbatim, not providing attribution. I think it's like an academic background. It's like you cannot just take someone else's work and then pretend like it was your own. But I think that happens on the Internet because there's no one there to to give you an F because you plagiarized. Well, it happens in life. It happens everywhere. <clears throat> People will get up and give press conferences and say, here's what I think. Is it, did you think that or were you told that? Mm -hmm. you know, no one can know everything. Like when Melania Trump gave her speech <clears throat> in 2016 at the convention. And it was a verbatim ripoff of Michelle Obama's speech from four years before. And it's like, did you not think anyone was going to, to realize this? It's bizarre mm -hmm. that a mistake could be made at that high a level. Yeah. I think that when they make a mistake like that, it's like, yeah, people are going to notice, but who cares? You know? It's not like yep. you can give her an F or kick her out of the White House. Um, moving on. Should we do number three? Yep, I'm ready. <clears throat> Seven years of bad luck for a broken mirror. I haven't read this one either, and I don't know the answer. What do you think the answer is? Well, the origin. The origin. The origin. I, I have no idea, uh, but I suspect it's possibly that <clears throat> has something to do with uh, um, the occult to where if you break a mirror uh, that you that you uh, insult some uh, demon or devil or something and and that they're going to uh, seek uh, to unleash wrath on you for seven years because seven years is the penalty for breaking a mirror because the mirror is something that's sacred to some devil someplace. I don't know. All right. So I do know, now that you say that, I'm reminded of an old Mexican superstition that I I do know the origins of, and that's you're not supposed to hang mirrors in your house facing each other because the infinite crosstalk of the mirrors yeah. allows the devil to come into your house. That's uh -huh. a Mexican superstition. Now, okay. I like to go practical with these predictions. I haven't read this yet. So practically, I'm thinking in olden times, back in the day, yeah, um, glass to make mirrors was very rare. They didn't have a glass blowing or making process that was that great. So mirrors were rare. So if you broke one, and they're, they're delicate. So if you broke one, you were a klutz. People were mad at you. They said, I wish you bad luck for seven years because you're such a klutz. That's my guess. I don't know if it's true, but there's some rationale to that, don't you think? Yeah. 
Sounds reasonable to me. So sh- and probably just as reasonable as, as the true origin. So should we look at the true origin? Okay, uh, according... Uh, <laughs> go ahead. According to the Shifty website. Yeah, just just say, according to the website, to a website. You'd have to... You'd have to you have to call them out. LiveScience.com. Well, I, 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 I think <laughs> the information's not bad. It looks like they might have copied it from elsewhere on the web. They may not have done this work, or but there's a. They always have like, oh, according to this book in 1989, this is what they said, you know. So. Well, I believe when you look at origins and something as common as this, that you can, it's kind of like genealogy. You, if you go far enough centuries back, you can be connected with almost anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think when you look at origins of superstitions that are common, not unusual, you can probably tie them to many different origins. And so this is just according to one run source. Yes. And I'll read it. Nothing, I, nothing I, wrong with that. I've been thinking I'll read them because if someone's not watching, how would they know what it says? You know what I mean? So let's look at the origin of seven years of bad luck for a broken mirror. Okay, I'm ready. In ancient Greece, it was common for people to consult mirror seers who told fortunes by analyzing their reflections. As the historian Milton Goldsmith explained in his book, Signs, Omens, and Superstitions, 1918, divination was performed by means of water and a looking glass. This was called catoptromancy. Catoptromancy, that was a tough one. The mirror was dipped into the water, and a sick person was asked to look into the glass. If his image appeared distorted, he was likely to die. If clear, he would live. In the first century AD, the Romans added a caveat to the superstition. At that time, it was believed that people's health changed in seven-year cycles. A distorted image resulting from a broken mirror therefore meant seven years of ill health and misfortune rather than outright death. Hmm. Um, so it doesn't really have anything to do with a broken mirror, right? Uh, yeah. It's just the sacredness of a mirror. It's just the... Uh... Well, they put the mirror in the water, and then they look at your image. I mean, and that's quackery as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, that's, that's part of... Uh... Uh, the divination part of it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's reasonable too. It's very reasonable why there again, trace that back to that. Hey, that's, that's as reasonable an origin, uh, as anything, you know, but ancient Greece in the first century AD, we could probably tie it into something about the 10th century AD and that type of thing. Okay. Here's my question. I want, to, I want to do a Google. Uh, I like this last part about in the first century AD, Romans uh, added a caveat. They believe that people's health changed in seven-year cycles. Now, do you think that's because the average age that a Roman died was like 56 or 49 or 42? Do you think that could be possible? Mm-hmm. Or I guess a six and you have three. seven, seven years, seven years old, to fourteen, they're gonna. That's a big change. Mm-hmm. Uh, then to twenty-one, that's a big change. You know, you're adult. You know, then twenty-eight, that's that's the. 
I don't know. I think seven, and also also the the number seven numerology. Uh huh. Numer the seven numerology is uh, reoccurs quite a bit uh, as something that's more sacred. Uh, six is sinister. Seven is holy. Uh, there's seven days in a week, and uh, well, there again, it gets back to astronomy, not astrology, astronomy. Um, so I'm putting it up on the screen here. Just 25 years. Uh, the life expectancy in ancient Rome was 25 years. So that's whatever four seven-year cycles. However, if you factor out infant mortality, so you know that means half of the people died between the ages of zero and seven. That's your first cycle. If you make it past that, life expectancy doubled to the late 50s, probably like 56. You know, so you have seven or eight you have eight seven year cycles if you make it past your first cycle yeah i think you get and it could be you had if you looked at the 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 well the mean or maybe the median you know somewhere in there it could be 49 mm -hmm. okay it, it did go to late 50s uh maybe the somewhere that the peak around the mode or the median uh, was around 59, but then seven, seven year cycles. And so you have seven, seven, and that's probably more sacred. Uh huh. Than, there you go. Numerology is dumb, but. <laughs> but it's something that's easy. It's easy to recognize mm -hmm. because everything could be analyzed and broken down into numbers. So it's something very easy to wrap your head around. It's easy to promote. It's easy to explain. And therefore, it's easy to believe. That's true. Um, also, I think Stephen Colbert, when he was on the Colbert Report, remember that? When he was like the blustering conservative correspondent? Uh-huh. Uh, he used to say that, you know, this, this isn't true, but there's an air of truthiness to it. Truthiness was his word. Um, I like that. I like that. I feel like numerology is like that. Someone starts throwing these numbers at you. Seven. There's two sets of seven. You know, seven times seven. There's this and that. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, numbers. I associate that with logic. So if this person is convinced and he's using numbers to make his case, what he's saying must be logical. Therefore, I must, I, I got to believe it. Mm -hmm. There's something mm -hmm. to that, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. And humans also says, oh, well, if it's supernatural, maybe the supernatural uh, has numerology in its in its delivery of its power, you know, on and on. I mean, you can come up with, a, you know, what we could do, David, we could take these and create our own origins, mm -hmm. <laughs> create our own interpretation of a superstition, tie it back down to numerology. I, and then we could create a cult. <laughs> I think it's funny when you analyze people's baby. This is completely off topic, but uh, so we watched the Super Bowl last night. Uh huh. And Bill Burr on his podcast, he always watches football. He loves football, and then he talks about it. Um, he loves football, but he hates how the players celebrate after every play. And he says, like it's the middle of the game. And they're acting like they won the damn thing, you know? He's like, imagine if I go to a comedy gig 
and I tell a joke, and it's a really good joke, and everyone laughs, and I pound my chest, and I point my fist to the sky, and I go, ah! <laughs> it would be silly. And do a dance. Yeah. Do, do, do a core, <laughs> you know, do a dance, you know. Get a little, get a little. Uh, uh, dabbing? Do a little dabbing here, then dabbing here, you know. <laughs> So football players that, are, are allowed to do that, but it's one of the few professions where you can. Yeah. Um, let's. But keep... you know, David, you know, David, I, I'll say we listened to Bill Burr's podcast. I think he should listen to ours. Yeah, come on. What's he doing? Shout out to Bill Burr. Why don't you listen to ours? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, he's good. He's funny. He's funny. He's really funny. He's good. Um. Throwing salt over your... Moving on. Throwing salt over your shoulder if you spill salt. Yeah. What do you think that's all about? Well, I don't know. I have no... But to me, throwing salt over your shoulder... I think it's your left shoulder. You know, you pick it, throw it over your shoulder. I think it's like saying salt uh, from history was precious. It was very important uh, for life. And uh, if you spill it, that's wasteful. Uh, but then taking a little and throwing over your shoulder, I think it's like a some kind of an apology, like I'm sorry I did this, or it's saying alerting the gods or whoever's offended. I'm sorry, I, I didn't. It, it was an accident, and I and I'm not going to do it again or something like that. That's um, my best guess. I think you're basically right. Should mm. we read the answer? Yeah, let's read the answer. Spilling salt has been considered unlucky for thousands of years. Around 3500 BC, the ancient Sumerians first took to nullifying the bad luck of spilled salt by throwing a pinch of it over their left shoulders. That's what you said. This ritual spread to the Egyptians, the Assyrians, and later, the Greeks. The superstition ultimately reflects how much people prized and still prize salt as a seasoning for food. The etymology of the word salary shows how highly we value it. According to Panati, the Roman writer Petronius in the Satyricon originated not worth his salt as an opprobrium for Roman soldiers who were given special allowances for salt rations called salarium, salt money, the origin of our word salary. We talked about that last episode. Isn't uh, that funny? Yeah. yeah. I said, worth his salt? Like, Is that a real phrase? And you're like, I don't know. And we look, isn't it fascinating? Two episodes in a row, this comes up. Yeah. Pretty salty. Salty. Uh, do you know what it <laughs> means? Salty. Do you know what it means when a kid t- says that you're salty? Uh, I think it means you're smart aleck or something. No. It means oh, you're okay. like, what is it? It means your butt hurt. You're upset about something. Oh. Like like Donald Trump was pretty salty about losing that election. Oh, like rubbing salt in a wound. Uh, I guess yeah. It's sort of like you're upset and it's showing. Oh, okay. He was pretty salty when he got that uh, gang of domestic terrorists to storm the Capitol. But at least he won't get in trouble for it, so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> for being, as we're, since we're being sarcastic, well, you know, if you only have one week left, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. You, know, you can even overturn the government if you want. I mean, everyone else does it. <laughs> Why can't I do it? You know. <laughs> um. So that was close. You were salt. you were very close. I I think that one's dumb. <laughs> I I think they're all dumb. But uh yeah, but, yeah, but why? It didn't say why. 
the whatever 35,000 BC, why you throw it over your left shoulder? Why do you throw it over your shoulder? Why was it the left shoulder? So it never went into that. Also, it's like, uh, this is what I don't get about the whole pick some up and throw it over your left shoulder to ward off bad luck. It's like, the first paragraph for the first is like salt was highly valued. So why wouldn't you just like sweep it up and put it back if you spilled it? <laughs> yeah. Like, why would you throw some over your shoulder? It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Instead of worth your salt, what do I say? Sweep your salt. Yeah. <laughs> Clean up your salt. You know, reuse your salt. Collect your salt. Collect your salt. Collect your salt. If you spill Don't... salt, brush it into your hand and put it back into the salt shaker. Yeah. That's good Collect luck. your salt. Collect your, yeah. Save your salt. Save your salt. Don't be salty. Yeah. Don't be salty. Save your salt. <laughs> okay, how many more do we have? We have four more. Yeah, well, we're making up our own here, David. I think we should go back and make up our own. Moving forward, we'll make up our own. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Still early. It's Monday. I'm a little tired. Um, the next one is knocking on wood. Oh, knock on wood. Well, I don't know what the origin of that is, but I seem to remember at one time someone was saying, oh, you knock on wood because you alert uh, in Ireland, you alert the leprechauns that uh, you don't want them to play any tricks on you. Interesting. I, I kind of remember that uh, way back when, maybe when I was young or something. And that's why you knock on wood. And I had people knock on wood with their head, you know, bum, 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 as if their head is wood, but mm -hmm. bone is not wood. But the point is, knock on wood to alert the leprechauns from, from Ireland. I don't know if that's true. So um, maybe we need to find the, the real origin from your source. Okay, according to my source, and I didn't read this, but I, I'm realizing now that I will remember these origins because we did this podcast, but I have a hard time conjuring the imagination to believe in any of this gobbledygook. So <laughs> it's hard for me to reverse engineer stuff because I think all superstitions are dumb. So, Well, well before you read that, <laughs> sp speaking of what you just said, you think it's all gobbledygook. Remember when you were in grade school, and the teacher had a paper bag and said, shake, shake, shake. There's a leprechaun in the bag. Yeah. And all the kids said, oh, there's a leprechaun. There's a leprechaun in the bag. And you said over there says, you're just faking it. You're just faking it. Yeah, leprechauns <laughs> aren't real. Yeah, there's no leprechaun, no bag. They're not real. And you're just faking that. And the teacher, I, was a te I think the teacher was a little bit upset because she didn't have an imagination. You have an imagination, but that's over the line. Well, I, yeah, I mean... I should consent to being lied to. I knew leprechauns weren't real. I knew something else was going on. It was something living. It was ended up being a bunny, I think. But it's like, it's obviously not a leprechaun. <laughs> what were you like in the second grade or something like that? Yeah, seven second or maybe first grade. I was seven or six yeah. years old. Yeah. But even then, it's like leprechauns aren't real. <laughs> and I think she was a little upset because she didn't have the imagination. Says I have, a, you have imagination, uh, but 
imagination doesn't mean believing in something that's not real. Yeah, if anyone should have been upset, it should have been me. I was being lied to by an adult. <laughs> go get him, David. Right? Yeah, yeah. Go get him, David. Um, yeah, well, what, what to me, <laughs> she should have been upset because you were so practical. She should have said, she should have recognized, here's a kid that's that's not going to be lied to. That's not going to be taken in by by the next charlatan that's going to take him down the primrose path into into uh, oblivion. He's not going to let that happen to him. Now these other kids might. Them say they will. They might, but he's one kid that probably won't. Why didn't she see that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because adults are lied to, and they believe it all the time. Yeah. Uh, which is not superstition, but you probably could use superstition because so much of what's happening today is people believe in it as if it's superstition. Okay. Anyway, I was, so I was working a job up in Louisville. Um, won't name the company, but I was back when I was a smoker and I would go out and I'd smoke on the smoke breaks because it beat working. But uh, it was like a typical office. There were young people, there were old people, but. Uh, this young girl, she's in her 30s, and then the middle-aged ladies that were the office workers, we'd all go out, and she's like, yeah, me and my husband were trying to, to buy a house. Like, oh, like, yeah, we put in an offer. Um, and it's like, where is it? And she said the neighborhood, and then she said, yeah, it's just, my only issue is that it's a very old house. Uh, and then one of the middle-aged ladies asked the younger lady, he's like, oh, are you afraid of spooks? Are you afraid there's going to be ghosts? She's like, yeah, I'm afraid there's going to be ghosts. Like, because the house is so old. And I'm sitting there, my jaw drops, and I'm like, ghosts aren't real. <laughs> like, <laughs> that should not be a buying criteria. Like, are you afraid the pipes are going to freeze more easily or the foundation's <laughs> going to be cracked? That's where your head should be when you're buying a house. Not, <laughs> you're afraid there's going to be ghosts because the house is old. I don't know. It's second grade all over again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You are who you are, you know, that, but that's good. And some people will believe in that mm-hmm. and some people will not. And that's just human nature that people are different. But also I have a problem, you know, like charlatans, they'll exploit someone's um, propensity to believe in superstitions. I have a problem with that as well. Me too. Me too. Um, and they, they make people believe in them to their detriment. Yes. The people who believe in it to their detriment. And they can do things that, that are harmful. Yeah. And that's not right. It's not right. <laughs> so, yeah. knocking on wood, should we find out what it means? Yeah. <laughs> bringing it all back home? Let's, let's bring it back to knocking on wood. Though historians say this may be one of the most prevalent superstitious customs in the United States, its origin is very much in doubt. Some attribute it to ancient religious rite of touching a crucifix when taking an oath. Alternatively, among the ignorant peasants of Europe, it may have had its uh, beginning in the habit of knocking loudly to keep out evil spirits. Hmm. That's what you said. You knock to let the le- le- leprechauns know you're in the room so that they don't haunt you. So that was very general. I wonder if there's an, an Irish version of that, an English version of that, a South American version of that. Uh, uh, an Asian version of that. Uh, it could be. Uh, yeah, yeah, also, uh, 
like there might be a practical, like you want to ward off evil spirits, but also if you come in and you knock on wood, um, and there's something going on that you don't really want to see, it might not, it might alert humans. <laughs> you right. know, like in multi-generational households, you know, in the 16th, 17th, 15th, 14th century, you might come in and knock on wood. And uh, by doing so, you can narrowly avoid seeing your grandparents having sex, you know, because they heard you and they're like, oh, we better quit this, you know. Yeah. Or uh, you knock on wood to say I'm entering, I'm coming in uh, so that they don't they don't spear you because they're, they, they yeah. get scared. Yeah, there you go. Like knocking on a door. It's like knocking like on knock wood. Knock on the door to come in, yeah. But this is like knock on wood. Uh, uh, usually it's like uh, for good luck. Mm-hmm. You know? It's all like, a bunch oh. of gobbledygook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like saying, well, I, I hope this today is good. Knock on wood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I want I want this to be true. I want this to for good luck. Yeah, you're warding off evil spirits, or it's like touching a cross. I could see that because crosses were predominantly made of wood. Yeah, and people do that today. Even uh, religious people will touch the cross and will touch sacred uh, things that have been blessed. Mm-hmm. They'll touch the stone and the wall uh, and all that stuff. Uh, and and you know, uh, you could say it's gobbledygook. On one perspective, the other perspective is that if it helps them, you know, uh, you know, sometimes superstition is good if it, if it if it's positive, if it helps people. Uh, anything can be taken to extreme. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of uh, there's a Bill Hicks bit where he says, "You think if Christ ever comes back to Earth, the first thing he'll want to see is a cross?" <laughs> that's like that's like wearing a. Uh, rifle pendant and going up to Jackie Onassis and being like, I'm just thinking of John, Jackie. Just thinking of John. That's a good uh, point. Okay, the next one. We got 10 minutes. Well, oh, oh, go I've ahead. Heard, I've heard that said, though. I've heard that said. It says, it's, it's people who are not in Christianity. Look at Christianity and say, why do they have the cross? The cross as something to remember because that was death. Uh, so they celebrate death. You know, what if they celebrate life? Uh, and so some uh, Protestants and some Christians uh, celebrate the dove, which is the risen Christ, not the cross, which is the death of Christ. Because mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So I, I've heard that said, uh, and it is kind of kind of interesting where the cross uh, is, is in, to some cases, becomes... A superstition. Oh, yeah. you touch- well, I mean, also, I think that the cross, uh, unlike the dove, if we're going to call it a superstition, it's much more practical as a symbol. Can a two-year-old child draw a cross? Yes. Can they draw a dove? No. Um, if you want to put a cross atop your church, you need two beams of wood. If you want to put a dove across your church, you need a master woodworker. there's a practical outside to it yeah okay that's probably true okay next speaking of god and superstitions saying god bless when someone sneezes this one's oh i think i know this one i think i know this one i think the pandemic 
1918, when you sneezed, uh, it meant you have uh, you might have the virus uh, and you're going to die. Uh, your likelihood is, is very high you die. So when you sneeze, you're afraid that that person uh, has a disease. And so you say, God bless you that you don't have a disease. It's just a sneeze. It's not it's not a virus. I think you're right, except your timeline is about 1500 years off. Oh. 6th century AD. Let's read it. In most English-speaking countries, it is polite to respond to another person's sneeze by saying, God bless you. Though incantations of good luck have accompanied sneezes across disparate cultures for thousands of years, all largely tied to the belief that sneezes expelled evil spirits, our particular custom began in the 6th century AD by explicit order of Pope Gregory the Great. The terrible pestilence was spreading through Italy at the time, just like you said. The first symptom was severe chronic sneezing, and this was often quickly followed by death. Pope Gregory urged the healthy to pray for the sick and ordered that light-hearted responses to sneezes such as, may you enjoy good health, be replaced with the more urgent, God bless you. If a person sneezed when alone, the Pope recommended that they say a prayer for themselves in the form of, God help me. And... When you say Gesundheit, in that, German, that means good health. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it is in response to the fact that if you're sick, especially back in the day when they didn't really have medicine, you're screwed. So you got to leave it in God's hand at that point. That's right. That's right. And some people survived and some people didn't. And the only thing you could say was the hand of God uh, had a selection there of some kind. It was their... It was their, uh, it was God's will. Now, do you feel like it's so somewhat blasphemous to uh, say that saying God bless you to someone is a superstition? <laughs> it all depends. Like, if you believe that divination with a mirror and water is divine, it's blasphemous to call that a superstition, right? Well, uh, there's a difference there. Uh, the, the big difference, going back to religion, uh, the big difference is uh, upon which power do you call? Do you call on the power of God or the power of not God, uh, which has been called Satan or Beelzebub or something that's negative? So it's, it's, there's a bifurcation of God and not God. Uh, and so not God is sin. And so divination historically is condemned because it's calling on the evil spirits, not the godly spirits. Yeah, although... That's what I've heard. Yeah, although you could say... You could either say it's all superstition because God's not real, or you could say, oh, yeah, the church doesn't want you to do this, so they call it the devil. But the thing about God is that he's everywhere. He's everything. So if it is real, you actually are calling upon God. Right? <laughs> That's that's an argument. That's an argument that many people would not agree with. But that's an argument. And some people do agree with that. So uh, see, the thing is, what's what's right is to do it our way. What's wrong is to not do it our way. That's what they're saying. Right. Yeah. They're kind of, kind of saying that um, it says God. God is the right way and not God. And I say not God, because when you. Because actually the definition of sin 
is something that's not godlike. Yeah. So it's not necessarily an act. It's something that's it's something that's not done, uh, that's godlike. It's a, a, apart from God. All right, we got three left. We're going to go a little bit over. If that's okay with you. Well, we're having fun. I'm All having right. fun. Hanging a horseshoe upright for good luck. Typically over a door. You do that, right? I saw you. We did that. We have that in our garage. Kathy put it out there, and I go, yeah. Oh, we've got a horseshoe, and she said, let's put it up here. And I go, yeah, let's put it up there. Put it this way. Yeah, put it that way. Because when it goes up, you all the good luck stays in the horseshoe. If it's down, it falls out. <laughs> all right. We're going to see That's if you're right. I, That's just what I thought. Let's see. Hang a horseshoe upright for good luck. The horseshoe is considered to be a good luck charm in a wide range of cultures. Belief in its magical powers traces back to the Greeks, who thought the element iron had the ability to ward off evil. Not only were horseshoes wrought of iron, they also took the shape of the crescent moon in 4th century Greece. For the Greeks, a symbol of fertility and good fortune. The belief in the talismanic powers of horseshoes passed from the Greeks to the Romans and from them to the Christians. In the British Isles in the Middle Ages, when fear of witchcraft was rampant, people attached horseshoes open and up to the sides of their houses and doors. People thought witches feared horses and would shy away from any reminders of them. Huh. So according to this sketchy internet website where I got my information, <laughs> there's nothing about hanging it up so that all the bad stuff goes inside. But I like that explanation. That's just what I thought. I think, I'm a, I'm, I I think like you're right. Greeks. I like the one about the Greeks and the crescent moon and fertility. And uh, I, I think that is much more believable and reasonable because the moon that the Greeks saw in 3000 BC is the same moon we see today. Mm -hmm. the sidewalk, and that's a good reason. The sidewalk here is the same as the sidewalk in ancient Greece. That's true. <laughs> and people and people don't change. The people don't change. People in uh, ancient Greece uh, uh, is the same people today. Good people back then, there's good people today. Bad people back then, there's bad people. Funny people back then, there's funny people today. I mean... There are people who do a podcast back then. There's people who do a podcast today. Uh, and so some things don't change, and some things do. Yeah, it's the next a, one? Um, a black cat crossing your path. Okay, I've seen that. Why yeah. do you think that's true? Where, where do you think the origins of that are? I, I really don't know, because I, I always think of witchcraft. I always think of uh, a Halloween uh, and the black black cat is an omen. It's a sign of something that's uh, sinister of some kind. I always think of Halloween because you see black cats at Halloween. But I really don't know. Okay, I'm going to share with you. Uh, as long as we're talking about origins, you know, before we... Mm -hmm. Um. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. This is Trump. Yes, I gotta I gotta share uh, screen and my sound so that. Go for it. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. And I hope that this investigation now, which is finished 
It's totally finished. No collusion, no obstruction. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges, the oranges of the uh, uh, investigation, the beginnings of that investigation. You look at the origin of the investigation, where it started, how it started, who started it, whether it's McCabe or Comey or a lot of them. Where does it go? How high up in the White House did it go? You will all get Pulitzer Prizes, okay? You're going to all get Pulitzer Prizes. Uh, you should have looked. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges, the oranges of the now go and take a look at the oranges, the oranges of the. So today we're looking at the oranges, <laughs> the oranges of these superstitions, right? According to Trump, <laughs> we are looking at the oranges. I wish I had an orange. <laughs> yeah, we should have brought oranges. We should have had an orange. An orange. See, this is the orange of knocking on wood. Yes. This now, is the orange of a black cat running in front of you. So uh, I was telling you, I was showing you some podcast clips of what I want to do. When we could do more or oranges episodes, or what's the orange of this or that? And we can each have oranges... And I could have a little thing on my keyboard here where I push a button that says the oranges. Like, okay, let's take a look at the oranges. You know, like a little sound bite to play over and over, like uh, Morning Zoo Crew Radio. But let's get into Black Cats. Are you ready? What's the, or what's the David, what's the oranges <laughs> of Black Cats? I don't know. We're about to find out. Tell me. Okay. Many cultures agree that Black Cats are powerful omens, but do they signify good or evil? The ancient Egyptians revered all cats, black and otherwise. It was there that the belief began that a black cat crossing your path brings good luck. Their positive reputation is recorded again much later, in the early 17th century in England. King Charles I kept, and treasured, a black cat as a pet. Upon its death, he is said to have lamented that his luck was gone. The supposed truth of the superstition was reinforced when he was arrested the very next day and charged with high treason. During the Middle Ages, people in many other parts of Europe held quite the opposite belief. They thought that black cats were familiars or companions of witches, or even witches themselves in disguise, and that a black cat crossing your path was an indication of bad luck, a sign that the devil was watching you. This seems to have been the dominant belief held by the pilgrims when they came to America. Perhaps explaining the strong association between black cats and witchcraft that exists in the country to this day. Huh. I like black cats. <laughs> yeah, I like black cats too. I, I think cats are cool. We watched uh, Try Guys last night because Laura likes them. I, I liked that episode more than a lot of the others. The cat sitting. And it's like, it's so dumb to make a video out of cat sitting because cats are kind of like on autopilot, you know? But it was funny. Well, I'm not that. Yeah, I, I, I watched the episode too. And all I will say about that episode and the episodes of the Try Guys <laughs> is I agree with a cat. <laughs> the cat's not amused. <laughs> the cat's walking away. The cat just kind of like, okay, I'm done with this and walk away. The, I mean, I agree with a cat. 
you know, I agree with cats a lot. Yeah, they just they just they don't take any. This, nah, I, I'm not going to buy into this. You know, oh, you you can you can go over the top, but that doesn't mean I'm going to. <laughs> the cat. Yeah, like uh, when the action was going down, they did a cut to the cat's face, and the cat was very stoic, placid. <laughs> Not impressed. Yeah, they were they were doing cutting up and everything, and then the cat is the 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 just cat is just kind of like a bored face. Go, I agree with the cat. <laughs> well, we got one left. Mm. Episode well, thirteen. This, this has been fun. Yeah, this is a, I think this is a fun format. But next time we do this format, I need to have yeah. the sound bite queued up. Oranges. <laughs> okay. And we need to have oranges. No, maybe we should have talk about one superstition relative to whatever the topic is on an, on each of our podcasts, and then you preface it with oranges, oranges, <laughs> oranges. Yeah, and then we say it. We need to take a look at the oranges, right? Yep. Let's let's. Uh... Oranges of the, of the, uh, the oranges of the, the. Do the sound. The sound's the, not there. Oh, uh, you can't hear uh, it. Investigation. No. The beginnings of that investigation. You look at the origin of the investigation. He said it right the second where time. Where it started, how it started. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges. The or go and take a look at the oranges. The production. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges. The orange. We're taking a look at the oranges, right? Yeah, we're looking at the oranges. That's what we're doing. <laughs> According to President Trump. Okay, so our final. Final. Are you ready? I'm ready. Our final superstition is why is the number 13 unlucky? On our hmm. 13th episode. Well, it's a prime number. Mm hmm And, oh, oh, I don't know. I never thought of it that much. Uh, it's a prime number. I was like, oh, it's a prime number. Uh, but then again, 12 uh, is happens a lot. Uh, get, getting back to numerology, since 13 is a number, I think it has something to do with numerology. Uh, but the placement of 13, uh, the proximity of 13 to 12, and 12 uh, uh, reoccurs quite often as a number that's positive, that's good. You know, you have uh, 12 months in a year. You have 12 apostles of Jesus. Uh, you, there's a lot of 12s. Uh, and also 12 is divisible by 2, divisible by 3, divisible by 4. And then 13 is a prime number. Okay. So by one in itself. So that, I think there's something to do with that. But I don't know. I think you're right. But let's take a look at the sketchy websites that wanted to know <laughs> my lo location and blood type. It said, would you allow this website to send you notifications? I said, no. And it's like, can this website know your blood type? I said, no. But let's take a look. Let's look at the oranges. Yes. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me cue that up. Let's, do, let's look at the oranges. Of 13. I think what we need to do, um, I, we can talk about this off the air, is set up a, 
a separate, I don't know, because there'd be crosstalk. Um, oh, I could mute my mic. Like a separate instance of Skype or Zoom or something where you can just hear my computer sound. You know what I mean? Yep. Like a yep. separate call that's just my computer sound and then my mic's muted, if that makes sense. Uh, makes perfect sense. Wait, hold on. But though, if I mute my mic and then, wait, what am I doing? What am I doing? Mute my mic and then share. Look at the oranges, the oranges of the illusion, uh, no obstruction. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges, the orange. Could you hear it the first time? Could you hear the system sound when my mic's muted? Yep, I, yep, I can hear it. Yep. Okay. Uh, how about like, give me a thumbs up if you can hear my system sound. I hope they now go and take a look at the oranges, the oranges of the uh, uh, investigation, the beginning. Yeah, we all should right. do this off. We should do this off. Uh, we should, but I mean, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but we're doing it. Now we know. Now we know. Uh, if, if if you want to share this, we might have to have two separate calls going. Uh, Somehow we need to automate it because we need to we need to dub these things in, man. Yeah, definitely. We want it to be more streamlined, but we're never going to be able to do that unless we keep trying. I have a question, David. <laughs> yes. What are the oranges of the number 13 <laughs> being unlucky? Let's find out the oranges. Let's find out the oranges. Fear of the number 13, known as Triskaidekaphobia, has its Ooh. origins in Norse mythology. In a well-known tale, 12 gods were invited to dine at Valhalla, a magnificent banquet hall in Asgard, the city of the gods. Loki, the god of strife and evil, crashed the party, raising the number of attendees to 13. The other gods tried to kick Loki out, and in the struggle that ensued, Baldr, the favorite among them, was killed. Scandinavian avoidance of the 13-member dinner parties and dislike of the number 13 itself spread south to the rest of Europe. It was reinforced in the Christian era by the story of the Last Supper, at which Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, was the 13th guest at the table. Many people still shy away from the number, but there is no statistical evidence that 13 is unlucky. There you go. Yep, the 12 apostles at the Last Supper. And the 13th was Judas. No. Let's take a look. I'm going to pull That's up the... That's not true. Uh, there was 12. He left. He betrayed Jesus and died. Then they, then they added uh, a, a 12th, which would... Because they replaced him after that by... I forget the guy's name. No, 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 no. I want to tell you that what we're going with here is... Uh, the Leonardo da Vinci version. Oh, okay. Do you know which one's Judas? The one that's that's uh, close to him, right there, on his left. No. On his right, talking to Mary or something. Yes, that's Judas, the fourth from the left. Um. Yeah, and he's talking to Mary Mag. Is that Mary Magdalene? I think so. He's conniving to betray Jesus. And he's like, yo, let's betray this guy. And she's like, no. And he's like, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know who's a real Judas? 
Tom Brady. He betrayed the Patriots. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> uh, uh, well, you could, or was it the other way around? Uh, the the Patriots uh, had had uh, Tom Brady, uh, and they claimed they won because Brady was the one who really won. Yep. All I know is that I really dislike the Patriots, but I also dislike Tom Brady. So, I I don't care either way. I I don't follow that anymore. Yeah, and honestly, I was I was telling you this. Uh, talking about politics or sports, sometimes people do it just because it's common ground. Mm-hmm. I went to the Italian market. Shout out Vanola's Italian market, Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Yeah. Delicious. Support local businesses. I went in there to get a meatball sandwich the other day. Um, Actually, I tried the meatball. I always get the sausage sandwich. I'm like, I think I'll have a meatball sandwich. Should have got the sausage sandwich. It's my favorite. But uh, the meatball is good. But the ladies there had chief's masks that work in there. Um, And I kind of felt like these ladies don't care about the chiefs. But it's just something to do. It's something to unite around, right? Like Mm -hmm. for me, the Super Bowl is about snacking. But for some people, it's about football. Uh-huh. For some people, it's about gambling. You know, yeah. you put you have the squares, or you put money on the game itself, and that's what makes it fun. For me, what makes it fun is overeating, napping through the entire second quarter because I ate too much, then waking up and eating some more. That's that's what I did. For some people, it's just about being angry. Mm-hmm. They want to find something to be angry about. Because if they're angry, that emotion just makes them feel alive. And some people just want to be angry. Yeah. I'm angry at Tom Brady. <laughs> there you go. As you can tell, did, I'm, I'm livid. What did he do to you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he cheated. <laughs> I just don't like cheaters. I don't like cheaters. And he's a cheater. And the Patriots are cheaters. The Bel- Bill Belichick was a cheater. And then Robert Kraft, he got busted at that uh, uh, massage parlor in Miami for soliciting prostitution. So we know he's a cheater, too. <laughs> They're all cheaters. What do the, yeah. their coach, their quarterback, and their owner have in common? They're all cheaters. Uh, they're all also good friends of Donald Trump. But that, that's not why I don't like them. I don't like them because they're cheaters. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's a good place to stop. <laughs> that's all. That's all I have for uh, content. So that that's one team and three players, or mm-hmm. three three people connected to the team. Mm-hmm. One three is the number thirteen. Thirteen. Hey, <laughs> thirteen. And that's our subject of the podcast today. We went over, but we're just having so much fun. Our 13th episode. I think this was fun. I mean, and I think that anyone listening to this, they'll get some insight into the oranges of all these superstitions. That's right. And to know what we mean by oranges, (laughs) you have to start listening to our pod site. I mean, our podcast. That's right. So I think we can leave it there, right? We can. All right. Well, this has been fun. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Do you have anything you'd like to leave everyone with? Leave everyone with uh, keep on talking, but listen more than you talk.